Hi, everybody. I want to show you something today and um, just to clarify some things. This is um, a biblical doctrine that has people sometimes divided on both sides of the fence. I will tell you, and, and you know, if you listen to me for any length of the time, um, I personally really strive for biblical doctrine, what the Bible actually says, what it meant to the first century audience that would hear it, what the original attention was of the writer to that, really to use logic and intelligence and in interpreting the Bible as well as the Spirit. And I realize the Holy Spirit does guide you into all truth, but we still have to use our brains, right? We still have to use our heads. Now, you know, because because I do this, I really, I prescribe more to uh, a reformed theology, which I think is closer to biblical theology than, than most. I'm not a hardcore Calvinist, but I do believe in a lot of the things that uh, Calvin wrote about, also, you know, Martin Luther and the Reformation. And the history that could be traced all the way back to the apostles and to our Lord Jesus Christ, not just some teacher that popped up in the 1800s or Schofield reference Bible or, you know what I mean? So, and it does make a difference in your eschatology and how you view end time events, your historical perspective on what happened to the nation of Israel, both in the past prior to Christ and also after Christ, like in AD 70 and bringing on the new covenant of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they're not doctrines of salvation, but they are, they're doctrines that do change your worldview and how you view things. And when uh, you're living into a life like right now where uh, the schnizzle's hitting the fan, it, uh, it really helps to be rooted in biblical doctrine that is true. Um, on the other hand, I, I stress the complete salvation of Christ. I, I, there's nothing we can do um, as humans to save ourselves. That's the whole thing. We're born into depravity. We're totally depraved. We're born into sin, and we inherited that sin from Adam and from the fallen nature that we have. And God, through redemptive history, has provided a way in his grace to redeem us. And that's through his son, who was the final sacrifice, the final paschal lamb that reconciled us sinners to him, okay? That's Bible. That's Bible. To preach the gospel is to say, here's what God did for us, to redeem us back to him because he so loved us that he did in fact sacrifice as a covenant, as a new covenant, as a blood covenant cut in blood. The covenant was cut. He cut a covenant. He cut a deal in blood, his son's blood, so that he can be the sovereign of our lives. And when we understand that, the gospel, the pure gospel, when we understand that, we, we want to accept that. That's where we want to go. I want to give this life down here 
to the sovereign, the sovereign God. And it, and in exchange, we get eternal life. Okay, we get eternal life with, with Father. We get reconciled. We can go directly to Father now without a high priest because Jesus is our high priest. So it's a beautiful thing. That's the gospel. I will preach that until the day I die because it's truth. It's so freeing that we don't live a system of works. We don't have to work our way to heaven. We don't have to work our way to please God because we can't. But here's, here's the rub. And here's, here's where many, many people divide and have problems. Once you get saved, can you just continue in the lifestyle you were doing? Or do you need to lay down foundations in your character? Do you need to allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify you? It's not a term I made up. Sanctification is a biblical concept. It's, it's a biblical doctrine. I didn't make this word up. And you'll, you'll see why I say that, because somebody has accused me of making up a word called sanctification, and I didn't make it up. It's You're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's a process. It's a process. Do you throw away all your free will at the, at the moment of salvation? You're called. You're elected to receive this beautiful gift of grace. Yes, Lord. And now you need to do nothing more? James says that a faith without works is, is dead. And what do you mean by that? He didn't mean a faith to work for your salvation, but that works would be a result of your faith. If you're saved, truly saved, and believe me, folks, the word of God Time and time again, the apostolic writers command us to take heed, to take stock, to actually verify our assurance of our salvation. Uh-oh. Many, many hardcore Calvinists or Reformed theologists don't like that. They stick to Romans 8, once saved, always saved. And there's nothing you could do. Nothing could pluck you out of the hand of God. No mountain, no angel, no death, no life, nothing. And that's true when you're in God. Because when you're in God and walking in the spirit, walking in Christ, you don't sin anymore. You don't want to sin anymore. Do we all make mistakes? Of course, we have a sinful nature. But do we practice sinning? Do we continue practicing immorality? Idolatry, covetousness, breaking the law of God. Oh, we don't live under the law. You do live under the law of God, my friend. The moral law of God. You can't say, well, that's, you know, thou shalt not kill as Moses. So I can go out and kill because I have Jesus. You would never say that. But you might say, it's okay if I live with my boyfriend. Or I have sex with my girlfriend or any host of things. Oh, now, well, oh, brother Cabal, now you're getting, you're getting very specific in sin. Uh-oh. 
Do we practice those things that are displeasing to the Lord? There's the rub because there are some that will tell you, 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 once you accept the Lord, you never have to worry about it again. He will keep you. And that's true. He's kept me, but I'm always aware of who I am, a sinner saved by grace. And when I need to repent, I need to repent. Do I quit sinning? I'm a sinner, but I quit practicing it. I quit embracing it. I quit justifying it because my relationship with God and knowing him is more important than worldly things. So I say this because I want to share a few things with you. There was, um, let me go to share screen here. There was a, a reviewer who reviewed my book, our book, Demons in a Marriage Bed. And um, I feel bad for this reviewer. Uh, her name is Smeaky, Smeaky Sue. I wish Amazon would allow me to um, reply back. I, I wish I could talk to this gal and um, ex explain to her because I don't think, I don't think Smeaky Sue is um, evil. I don't think she's of the devil. I don't think she's um, unsaved. I don't think she's going to hell. I don't think she she meant to uh, harm me or be mean. But it's so easy to just give somebody a one-star review on Amazon um, when, you, you're, when you yourself have never you know, written a book or taken the time to share your testimony with other people and try to help them. It's, it's easy just to, you know? And um, I don't think she really read the book. I, she certainly didn't understand what, what we were trying to say. And I wish I could explain that. It breaks my heart. I, I, I can't. This is the best I can do. Is she listening to this show? No way. <laughs> no way she's listening to this show. So I, I don't think I'll ever be able to, to reach her. And I wish I could. But maybe I can reach you if you're thinking this way. So Sneaky Sue, and I'm not bagging on her. Believe me, I, I part of it's my fault as an author. Um, perhaps I didn't communicate myself correctly. And, you know, communication is a two-way street. So I have to take some responsibility that I didn't explain myself well. Those of you who have read um, our book, Demons in a Marriage Bed, this is what this is uh, about. Where to go here? Oh, that's my beautiful face. Uh, where's my book? Here it is. Demons in My Marriage Bed by Paula Linda Villanueva. It's a true story of spiritual warfare. It's our testimony. And the second part of the book is a training manual on spiritual warfare. And it was it's basically our testimony and how I uh, went in very uh, deep, deep, dark witchcraft in 20, uh, 2006 and how God literally, he, he delivered me from that. And um, But I never preach that I had to stop sinning in order to get saved it was just the opposite. I, I was at the lowest point of my life and I've been to several low points, but that, that was the, that was my coup de grace point of lowness. And my marriage was, was on the, uh, the brink and, um, I was into shamanism and, and spiritual. I, I never rejected God. I never uh, said, I don't want nothing to do with God or I don't believe in Christ. I'm an atheist. I never did that. It was just the opposite. I went into some kind of new age spirituality. I mixed it up with Chinese martial arts, everything Chinese uh, spirituality, the Tao, you know, new age stuff and Native American things. So I, I mixed the two 
uh, the result was a, um, a new age type of spirituality. But I always considered myself a Christian because I was raised in church and I really was saved at age 15, but I was in a backslidden condition for, you know, 30, 35 years. So, you know, some hardcore Calvinists would uh, argue with me uh, about that, but I, I know who I was. I know I was truly saved at age 15. I know I really had an experience and my life changed, but I did fall away and I fell back into the world and God was gracious enough to really kick me in the face in 2006 and change my life around. And I've never been the same since. And I thank him for that. But anyway, I, I never promote that you need to stop sinning to uh, get salvation. But I do promote that you quit practicing sin as a Christian. So Sneaky Sue here says, she gives me a one-star review and she says, call to stop sinning, lie from the pit of hell. I wish as a Christian sister, she would have thought the first before just slamming me with a one-star review and say this. And here's what hurts me. This doesn't hurt me so much as this. Two people found this helpful. This, this hurts me because other people um, are agreeing with something that's erroneous. So she says that our book promotes the idea that a Christian must stop sitting but she does agree a Christian must turn from demonic ideas and books and items and anything involving the enemy. But has anybody stopped sinning? So her thought process is incongruous. She agrees that you got, you got to get away from the occult, but has anybody stopped sinning? Even if you try to stop overall, we are sin. Lucky for us, Jesus died to all sin for all time. And that's true, but we're still, we're fallen. It's, God sees our righteousness only because he sees his righteousness. He, he was the propitiation, another, you know, word that, you know, obviously Smeaky Sue wouldn't know about, but he was a propitiation for our sins. She says, um, he sees us as perfect. He, he, he will come along and teach us how to follow him. Follow me. He, he does not see us as perfect. He sees his son as perfect. Um, so there's some humanism here, and and I, I I fear she's been taught or she's confused in this. She says it's called sanctification by the author. Now I I did not make up the word sanctification. It's it's biblical and it's it's been a biblical doctrine for two thousand years. So this tells me that she may not be uh, educated correctly in her church or listening to people who absolutely know biblical doctrine. And that makes me sad. So it's called sanctification by the author, but to me, it's just growing to truly know God. And so she puts a lot on the human. She puts a lot on her. And, um, ah, if anyone has managed to stop sinning, then please correct me. Just when you think you have it under control, it rears its ugly head. Now, there's scripture in in John, the letters of John, where he says, you don't need to sin anymore. You know, you can stop sinning now. So I don't know what you do with stuff like that, but you don't need to keep practicing sin. If you're a homosexual and you get saved, you need to pr quit practicing uh, sexual immorality. If you're living with your girlfriend, you need to quit practicing sexual immorality. I mean, sin is sin, but you need to quit practicing it. Uh, if you're a cheater or a liar, you need to quit cheating and lying. Uh, if if you get angry all the time, you need to you need to get that under control. Quit being angry. You need to give that to Christ. 
you you have to quit practicing it. So anyway, she uh, she says we we are the storm. When we when I do sin, I thank God profusely for accepting me, no matter what. And he doesn't accept you. He accepts his son. The sacrifice that his son made in behalf of you, in place of you. So she's she's got a little humanism here, and I think that's the problem. I believe. Uh, he will change me, not outwardly, but inwardly. No, you, your life will bear fruit, sneaky. Your life, I, that's why I wish I could talk to her. Her life needs to bear the fruit, um, especially in love, because you're a sounding brass and tinkly symbol. The one-star review on another Christian brother, tearing down the work we're trying to do for others by writing this book putting ourselves very uh, transparent out there for everybody to read our lives. It, it's it, There's no need to tear us down uh, when we're on the same side. Um, I, I do wish she would have just, she bought the book. I wish she would have just emailed me and asked me these questions. Give me a chance then to just to, to do this. Um, this, this. This hurts and it breaks my heart because people are finding it helpful. Um. She says, um, no matter what it takes, nothing you do can make him leave. Jesus will recklessly. Now, this is a weird term to use because this to me kind of sounds like um, Francis Chan kind of talk. It's that weird new agey apostolic reformation mega church talk. You know, Jesus will recklessly keep fighting for you. I I don't like this. These kind of words, these aren't biblical words. So it, it tells me she's. Her lack of of training um, is, is being evident here. She says, no matter how stupid we are, it's about him, not about us. What makes us holy is the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's true. Not by us following the law. Well, the whole thing is, is God doesn't redeem you so you can break the law. You got to read Galatians 5. Paul lays out what lawlessness is, and he also lays out the fruit of the Spirit. It's just, it's really Bible 101, and so it's, on one hand, I don't want to sit here and and hit people over the head with a big, large, reformed Bible. Quit sinning, quit sinning. I, I want them to understand the grace of Christ, but on the other hand, you, you have to realize you're culpable, it's not okay. At the end of the day, it's not okay. How can God say, a righteous judge, a righteous God, well done, my good and faithful servant. Um, you kept on just sitting the way you did. You accepted me at Calvary Chapel, raised your hand back in uh, 2013, and now you just go ahead and, you know, just be a lesbian and just do whatever you want to do. I mean, um, quitting sin versus mistakes. Oh, so now, now, we, now sin is now just a mistake. Sin isn't really... <clears throat> excuse me, sin is just a mistake. Where's the line of sin and mistakes? You see, you see what I'm saying? This is not even biblical. It's not even a, this isn't even the question. Where's the line between sin? Why, why go to the lowest point? The, the, the question should be, how do, how do I, I live as Peter says, the, 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 the apostle actually walked with Christ. How do I live a holy and godly life? And then Peter gives you 
Well, lay on this foundation knowledge. Lay on this foundation wisdom. Lay on this foundation uh, love. Lay on this foundation blah, blah, blah. Build, build, build. It's something you have to do. The Holy Spirit just doesn't come and download it in your head the day you get saved. It's you, you're working with the Holy Spirit in you and building character that's pleasing unto the Lord. So you could do the Lord's work. So where's the line between sin and mistakes? She writes, obviously following anything satanic is a no-no. Now that, that's, that's the cutoff line for her. But how does one decide a mistake versus a sin? I am sin, but in Jesus, I am perfect. No, you're not. Jesus is perfect. God sees you through the perfection of his son. Jesus didn't keep sin. He doesn't keep sinning. He doesn't encourage you to sin. He wants you to be like him. The whole goal is so you could be like him. <sighs> Sminky. Ask God to show you the truth. Now, now she's appealing to the other readers of her you know, review. He will. It's not about an obsession with how we get our flesh under control, but about a real and true relationship with Jesus. Well, no, you're not supposed to be obsessed about getting your flesh under control. You do give that to the Holy Spirit, but you have to take heed and you have to take account of where you stand. You have to be assured of your assurance. How are you sure, Speaky Sue, that you really are in fact saved? How do you really know? Well, Peter, Second Peter tells you these things. He gives you the guidelines on how you would know. But she says, you know, he will guide us into all truth. So much more I could say. Obviously, you're, if you're a Christian, there's no way you want to follow Wicca, crystals. Do, there she goes again, talking about all the new age stuff. Anything that has anything to do with uh, uh, the demonic. Jesus is the only truth. The authors may still have a lie from Satan. I don't understand why she would write that. Why would my wife and I still have a lie from Satan when, I, when we're just preaching the gospel? Why, why would you, why as a Christian sister, born again, obviously you're, you're, obviously you were, you had some kind of at least a religious experience in Christianity, but you're, you're, you struggle with mistakes and sin, but then you, you say that I may have a life from Satan because I'm telling you to not practice sin. So she says, praying God will un unveil his truth fully to them. Well, I think that's nice that you're praying for that. And he has. So he answered your prayer. He has unveiled the truth to me. And it's in the book, just like I say now. I never change. It's Bible. She says, if anybody wants to debate this. So if anyone wants to debate this, if anyone is curious to look into what I'm saying, she doesn't refer them to the Bible. She refers them to a Jew who turned to Jesus. She, she refers them to a Jew who turned to Jesus. Now, Google, Google his name. Listen to him. Who I don't know who this guy is, but I do know who the apostle Peter was. I do know who John was. I do know who Christ is. The forgiveness series is great. So, you know, I don't know if Aaron was, is a false teacher. I don't know anything about him or she just is a false hearer. I don't know. But she's, I can't reach her. I can't correct her. It says forgiveness is foundational to a true relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. Praying Jesus shows you who he really is and how you can know him. Well, that's the whole purpose of my book 
Demons in the marriage bed, a true story of spiritual warfare. The whole purpose is to show God's miraculous transformational power on lives. And she wants to destroy that work because either I didn't commute it correctly or she didn't hear it correct. I don't know. She says, Jesus is mighty to save even the lowliest of sinners like me, which is true. You know, I should be reading the five-star one, right, to you? But why? Look at another five-star. I should be reading these five-star ones to you, but these people seem to get it. I didn't seem to miscommunicate with them, but Sneaky here, uh, we, just, we just didn't get it. I don't... So, let me take you here. Let me take you here. Let's go to um, Pita. All right, let's go to Second um, Pita two twenty. Let's see what we got here. He's talking about false teachers and false prophets. This is I'm only I, you know for lack of time I'm only going to hit these a couple of scriptures here. I can be here if you want me to for forty eight hours straight telling you uh, the truth about the Bible and about how you gotta you've got to quit sinning, you got to quit practicing sin, my friends. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world, how do they escape from the wickedness of the world? What is the wickedness of the world? Sin, right? You, you're entangled in wickedness of this worldly system, right? No matter whatever that sin is, it's a rebellion against God. You're not living in behalf of God. You're not living for God. And you escape that world by what? Knowing our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. By knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But, but then Peter says, that this is Peter, okay? And then get tangled up and enslaved by sin. Now, does that, does that mean you make a mistake? Did Peter say, if you make a mistake? He said, get tangled up and enslaved. There's a huge difference between getting trapped and entangled, and now you can't get out. You're enslaved. How does that happen? make a mistake i made a wrong turn and went into a strip club oh i thought it was a bible uh, bookstore parking lot now here i am uh, you know girls gone wild are you tangled up or enslaved are you, you, you a prisoner of the sin again 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 guess what peter said they are worse off than before now who are you going to believe Peter, the Apostle Peter, or the guy Sneaky Sue recommended, the, the Jew who turned to Jesus, whoever that is. And why does that matter? I'm a Mexican who turned to Jesus. What, what difference does my race have to do with it? Just because I'm a Jew that turned to Jesus, I know more than you. I'm a Mexican who turned to Jesus. I know more about tacos than you. What the, who cares, people? Who cares what your race is? It doesn't make you better. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world, knowing the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and they get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off before. This is Peter, the apostle, who actually um, wrote to us after actually walking with Messiah. 
He says it would be better if they had never known the way of righteousness. So this tells you that there are people who knew the way of righteousness. It's better if they never known that than to know it. Okay, I, I, I know not to do this. I, I receive Christ. All that. And then reject the command. What's the command that they were given? Oh, to live a holy life. I'm sorry, Sneaky Sue. I didn't make this up. I didn't put it in the book, Demons in My Marriage Bed, because I had nothing else to do after I was demonized for, you know, a friggin' year. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I, I, I wanted to share my transparent experience with the rest of the friggin' world, and maybe I can help some stupid idiot. Forgive me. I just should just keep all this stuff to myself. And let everybody go to hell in a handbasket and not warn them. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe Peter should have done that too. Maybe nobody should have wrote anything in any Bible and just let you just go ahead and figure it out on your own. And your little human wisdom. Because they proved the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to his vomit and a pig returns to the mud. This is JFB uh, commentary, Fawcett and Brown. It's 100 years old. I like dead guys. I like dead scholars. I like dead commentators because they're the ones that understood the Bible a whole lot more than the idiots alive today. The money preachers are out today. Very few alive today I have any respect for, but there are some. There are some. Uh, and they they feed my soul. I'm not going to tell you about them because I don't want you going over there and giving them one stars. The way of righteousness, Christian doctrine, the knowledge of the Lord and Savior. What? From the holy commandment. What was this? Command they were given to live a holy life. The gospel which enjoins holiness. It's an opposition to corruption. Do you want to live in corruption or holiness? Holy, not that it makes you holy, but because it ought to be kept inviolate. It's delivered once and for all. Once for all, it's delivered, admitting no turning back. Okay, I mean, can I beat this dead horse? I didn't make this up. This is just one scripture. This is just one passage from a man who actually walked with God uh, in flesh. Not some Jew who turned to Messiah, although Peter is a Jew turned to Messiah, but he doesn't have some website or YouTube channel or blog or... Uh, he, he was an apostle, okay? He actually witnessed uh, the transfiguration of Jesus, the glory, the coming glory of Christ. I think I'm going to believe him. I think he has a little more credibility than Sneaky Sue. It breaks my heart. I mean, two people found it helpful. Why Sneaky? Why? Do you want to uh, divert people away from the gospel? Here's another one. And uh, people who people like her that are, are just so paranoid about mistakes and sinning and, and, oh, my God, God's mad at me. And believe me, I understand all this stuff. I'm not going to get into it right now, but I understand a thing called scrupulosity. It's called religious OCD. I understand it because I had to live with it. 
I sat in support groups with people suffering from this moral OCD where they think God's mad at them and whatever they do, they can't win for losing and they can't understand Romans 8 and the grace of God because they have a lie in their head that they just can't seem to not believe it. And no matter of teaching or education changes these things. It's a real thing. I'm telling you, I'm experienced with it. Martin Luther had it. John Bunyan had it. People in the past have had it. And when they discover Romans 8 or Galatians and they discover the grace of God and, and the free gift of salvation, it, it changes them. But they don't keep sinning. They don't keep sinning. So this scripture just wakes people out. They wish it was never in the Bible, but it's Hebrews. Hebrews 6, 4. Okay? So the author of Hebrews is, is just, I mean, he's blasting them. He's writing to first century Jews. The temple still existed. First century Levitical temple worship still existed prior to 70 AD, prior to God totally eliminating that and bringing in the new covenant in Christ, written in the blood, a cut covenant in blood of his own son. The final sacrifice, the only sacrifice. And then you became the new temple. They, people don't come to, you, to the temple anymore. You go out to the world. That's why you write books like Demon in the Marriage Bed or whatever. You're trying to take that temple out. You're trying to take that gospel out. You're not trying to harm people. A, a, a Christian, I mean, Sneaky Sue here, I, that's what I said. I wish you would have got, gave me an opportunity to talk to her. Maybe we could have corrected that instead of just slamming it and doing more harm for the gospel than good. I never said you had to quit sitting for salvation. Just because she's ignorant in these things doesn't mean she can spout out her ignorance and, and ruin the experience for other people who may have got something from it. Well, that's her blood on her hands. That's, that's not on my hands. She's the one who's got to answer for those works. Anyway, the writer of Hebrews says, in verse four, it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. Those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. And then who turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross. So the writer says, when the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. I, I don't know what else to say. Let's see what uh, Fawcett says about those. Let's see. We must go on towards perfection. Uh-oh. If we fall away after received enlightenment, it will be impossible to renew us again to repentance. 
Hebrews 10.32 says, Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering? See, that first century church was going through tremendous persecution before the before actually the fall of, of the temple, before the, the, the sacking of Jerusalem in 70 AD. They were going through tremendous persecution under Nero. And after, after telling them that, and then in verse 26, he says, dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning, okay, not make a mistake, Sue, not, uh-oh, I, I made a wrong turn, deliberately sinning, sinning. She, now she says, I, I, she says, I'm a sinner. And it's okay because Jesus sees me at perfect. I, he, well, if he did, how come, how come Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews would say, if we continue deliberately sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. And he gets worse. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. You become an enemy of God. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of, of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant. Remember I told you it's a cut deal? It's cut. The covenant is cut. That means blood is shed. It's God's Son, which made us holy. Sue was right. It makes you holy. But you trample it as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained. That's like the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy on us. It's a hard message because on one hand, I really want the grace of Christ to come through and salvation and that you don't need to work for it. You, you are a sinner, but all's forgiven. It's, it's your clean you're wiped clean because he he paid the price man you can keep going to god's court and going hey i want to pay this ticket he's like what ticket it's been paid get out of here you're taking up my time but you can't go out and keep violating red light laws and go it's paid i'm gonna drive like an idiot that's not the intent of the grace of god uh, i hope uh you know this helped somewhat and uh, gave you a little better understanding. And uh, the grace of God and and mistakes and sinning and, and do we stop? And, you know, once saved, always saved. I'm good to go. You're not good to go. You got to build character. Now, the thief on the cross, he didn't have time to build character. He was with Christ that day in paradise. But unless you're going to get saved and die that day, you need to build character. Have a blessed week and we'll uh, talk to you later and I'll, I'll rant about something else. Maybe I'll read some more reviews. <laughs> I'll read something else. All right, good night. Take off that mask and show your pretty face. Take off that mask and show your pretty face. The heights of beauty is your grace. Take off that mask and show your pearly whites. Take off that mask and show your pearly whites. What?
dub, take off the glove, take my hand as we fall in love, let's go now, come and sing with me, take off your mask and ringle dingle dee. Take off the glove, take my hand as we fall in love.